I get it. We industrialized. It was like, we all pulled a hood over our eyes and we just went crazy on industry and mechanism and everything. But then I'm yeah. saying, Production. we woke Production. up in about 1924. We, as a people, through the eyes of Rudolf Steiner, woke up and said like, no, we took a wrong turn. And people said that he was 100 years ahead of his time, which is now. So it's yeah. like, mm -hmm. here we are. Now is the time. And, you know, it's the only time we have. So uh, I feel passionate about it. And that's the point of our brand, in a sense, be here, farm in nature. So it's a call to mindfulness around our relationship with agriculture and nature connection. And just applying the lens of mindfulness to these things is all that it takes. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge, and energy to live a healthy and empowered life? If we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier, where we talk about all things mind, body, spirit, and soul, and how to harmonize and align all those aspects of your life. We take a super holistic 360 view on all the topics we discuss on the show. And if you want to support me, the mission of the show, and just the whole idea in general, then thanks for subscribing and sharing it with people that you think might enjoy it as well. So today we're getting into a great discussion from someone who truly is brilliant walking the talk and making a difference in the world. My guest today is Jared Picard. We're getting into food and this can be a loaded issue for a lot of people, but right now it's quite trendy in a lot of circles for people to starting to understand the importance of whole, naturally sourced, properly grown food. And that goes for animals, plants, water, all of it alike. Not to mention with the ecological crisis that's going on on a global scale. Although scientists have been telling us for decades now that this is coming, everybody needs to wake up, we're really seeing signs of it. In fact, I just read the other day that the wildlife population is actually 60% extinct with many species at this point. How insane is that? And that's only since 1971. Nice job, human beings. What the heck? But you know what? It's not too late. It is not too late. This show is always about bringing you the good news and what you can do to be part of the solution. Yay. So let's do it. I'm always so grateful for my brilliant guests for sharing their passion and love. And as I said, Jared is definitely someone in that camp because he is an expert in biodynamic farming and regenerative agriculture. In fact, along with his wife, Velisa, they are founders of a very special farm called Be Here Farm and Nature, which is actually family owned. And it's a mountaintop homestead on top of 300 acres in California. 
They've been recognized for restoring and revitalizing a formerly lodged and ecologically unhealthy landscape and transforming it into a vibrant and healthy ecosystem featuring a widely diverse farm growing over 350 varieties of fruits, vegetables, herbs, and flowers. And if you heard anything about how to properly farm, we know that diversity is key. I'll just throw that in there. That is absolutely essential for the ecosystem to develop properly, not only to resist, um, you know, parasites and bacteria and pathogens, but also just for nutrient quality, etc. I'll let Jared tell you more about that because that's his area. So they were inspired directly from the abundance of their farm and the land, and they actually developed a very unique, and I can attest to, it is unique and effective for that matter, collection of biodynamic self-care offerings. Originally, all this was done in preparation for the opening of a world-class hospitality experience. That's what they were building this dream for. In fact, they were just really laboring for almost a decade to build this world-class hotel-type guest experience, which was designed to bring overnight guests onto the land for leisure and transformation and the whole experience holistically. But this all changed like so many people's lives in September of 2020, when all of a sudden the Napa Sonoma region of California was hit with those devastating wildfires. Remember those? And unfortunately that included the be here property. Wow. So in this episode, it's so cool. He, Jared, I could just talk to him for hours. He's not only brilliant, but he has just such an amazing life experience and a great head on his shoulders and quite articulate. And we talk about what do you do when the life you dreamed of like just goes up in smoke? <laughs> I mean, raise your hand if that's happened to you. Pretty much probably everybody who's over 50. Okay, and it reminds me of one of Joseph Campbell's uh, famous quote. And he says that we have to be willing to give up the life that we planned in order to live the life that's waiting for us. I have to remind that to myself sometimes because, uh, yeah, probably like you, I've had certain dreams in my life that I certainly thought by the time I was this chronological age, I would be in a different position than I'm in. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, just to go off on a tangent here, sorry, Jared, <laughs> but I just think it's important to note that surrender is a popular word these days. But something I've learned is that surrender doesn't mean giving up, okay? Sometimes it just can correlate and hold hands with being patient and really just surrendering your attachment to what has to be a certain way, or this is how I want it to be or thought it would be. And really just letting that go and being in the moment of being aware of signs, breadcrumbs, the universe will throw you and the direction as to where maybe life is really teasing you and tempting you and, and, um, captivating you to go. 
you know, follow those breadcrumbs, but it takes being aware and being open. And to me, that's something I've learned about what surrender really means. Because it doesn't mean giving up and being passive. No, 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 no. It's just a different mindset. It's more of a receptivity and being open and just not gripping so tightly. So we talk about how Jared and his wife had to pivot this major dream that they put all this time, money, energy, expense into. And it's very inspiring because then he gets into how, wow, his life is actually better now because he let go of the big dream. Super cool. You definitely want to listen to that part. We also talk about how uh, Jared totally switched his whole life trajectory um, when he was working on Wall Street to completely connect with nature. So there's hope for those of us who are like city-grown people and we want to now get into more natural living and potentially grow our own food and be a little more self-sufficient. So there's hope, everybody. Very important, we also talk about why... The organic label, okay, sorry to break the news to you, but it's not what you think anymore. It's been completely trashed and bastardized, and unfortunately, it is not a panacea. And manufacturers of food companies know that if they slap that organic label on it, even if the food contains 10% of the ingredients are organic, it doesn't matter. A lot of people are just going to throw it in the shopping cart and not think twice. Well, guess what? Nope, you can't trust the label anymore. So what can you do instead? Jared shares with us that. He also explains some of the differences between biodynamic, regenerative, and organic farming. Very interesting. He gets into how organic farming even started and how it started from a big picture holistic mindset that had a level of sacred unity of all, but has turned into a short-sighted monetized commodity. Now those are my words, but basically that's kind of what's happened to farming these days on the big commercial scale, not our, our local neighborhood farmers, that for sure. And by the way, shout out to them because they need our support to compete with the big guys, that's for sure. We also get into, okay, pesticides, chemicals, herbicides, all that stuff, chemical fertilizers, and how nitrogen, which is their source, was actually something that was a byproduct, a waste product from the war and the weapons that were manufactured in the war, just like soy. It was a byproduct, a waste product. And these big agri companies figured out a way how they could monetize this waste expense. And they sold it to us as, well, what else would make sense but food? So now people eat soy and it's not even supposed to be edible. Same as the toxins that are on any non-organic, non-biodynamic, regenerative food. Something you probably want to know. Then I put Jared on the hot seat. I ask him, all right, what about the people that say, well, I don't buy organic, but don't worry, I wash it off. I wash it off with those sprays you can buy in the store. Is that good enough to help protect you to optimize your nutrition? I also ask him, what about the people, and we all know them, that feel like organic pricing, because it's usually more, is just not worth it. I mean, what's the difference, right? Does it really make a difference between an organic or not? What about the people who don't want to spend the money? Jared answers that. 
And he gives us some great advice where to start. And I love how he's so optimistic, like take heart, although, you know, some of the things we talk about are kind of upsetting or can make you feel like, oh God, this is depressing. You know what? It's better to be informed of what's going on so you can then make empowered, accurate choices, right? There's nothing worse than thinking you're helping yourself or something's actually good for you when in fact, when you look under the covers and do your homework, it's not, okay? And unfortunately, that happens a lot these days. So you got to do your homework in order to feel and look your best and, uh, being an informed, intelligent consumer. So the source is key. And Jared gives great advice what to ask at the farmer's market in a way that's non-confrontational. It's really excellent, great non-violent communication advice he gives us um, what we need to ask these local farmers. And then finally, we get into the Be Here Farm, which is Jared's baby. And oh my God, this amazing product, my friend, you've got to try this out. I use it every day. I even put it on my little Charlotte, my little puppy. It is the Summer Solstice Skin Serum, which they sell at Be Here Farm. This product is incredible. It comes in a glass bottle. It's got beautiful art on it. It's got tremendous amount of soul. It even has poetry in it. But most importantly, it's it is a totally natural, and I mean natural the way you think the word means natural, not the way that it's been bastardized on labels and exploited to make you think it's something that it's not. This really is natural. It, the method of extraction is the way it's supposed to be to retain all the vibrancy and life force and nutrition of the product. And it's really cool the way they harvest it in accordance with the both the energy and exposure of the cycles of the sun and the moon, which affect all of life on the planet. So they harvest it in accordance with that, which is probably why it's so magical. And it is, uh, like I said, no chemicals, no machines are ever used to touch it. And it's infused with so much soul and love. The beauty of it is it's available for you at discount. Jared and his family agreed to give us a coupon code that you can use from listening to Awakening Aphrodite and subscribing to my show. You just have to enter Amy Love, Amy Love, at the checkout, all lowercase, and you will get a discount on that product. And I use it every day. And then go to my YouTube channel, by the way, if you want to see the discussion that we had on this episode. I show some of the bottles of it. And, uh, and Jared talks more about exactly how to get that. Okay, you, he even offered to have you message him directly. So you're going to love this episode. If you are into a call for mindfulness and knowledge about our food, as well as agriculture and all of nature in a holistic way, you're going to love this episode. And if you like episodes like this topic, you might be interested in episode 84 with my guest permaculture expert, Jim Gale. In episode 86 on plant intelligence with plant expert Monica Gagliano. In episode 88, we get into the intelligence of water and structured water with the amazing product, the Amalama Wand, with my guest Dolph 
Zantanga. And those three products, I believe in them so much and use them myself every day. So I added them to my store and you can partake in them with discount. And now we're going to add Jared's amazing, the Summer Solstice Skin Serum to that list. I only share with you stuff that I believe in works and I personally use. You can take that to the bank. All right, let's dive in now and get an amazing education from the brilliant and soulful Jared Picard. And welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Today, my guest is Jared Picard. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for having me. All right, tell us where you're at. What's going on with you? Oh, wow. So presently, um, I'm in Austin, Texas, and this is where we've relocated to for the time being, if not for, you know, for time in general. And it is uh, been a relocation from our property in California where we spent the last decade and actually still own and are still operating as a farm um, and sourcing all of our ingredients from. And when I say our ingredients, my wife and I have a, a company called Be Here Farm in Nature. And so we grow and make a collection of personal care items, self-care items, um, they're sort of crossing the boundaries, you might say, between edible, topical, medicinal. Um, and uh, we've been doing that for a little over a decade now. The original impulse of that project was a hospitality vision um, immersed in nature. So we were developing the farm and that property for the idea of having an overnight guest experience on, on site. Uh, basically a small hotel. There were going to be nine cottages, a restaurant, spa, full activities and amenities programs, you know, yoga, movement, retreats, on and on and on. And at, in preparation for that, we developed the farm because farms don't just turn on like, you know, you can't just paint the wall. You can't just turn on the farm. So it takes many years to develop a, a fertile and abundant farm. And so we started from day one of moving to that site. And this all culminated um, recently, but also kind of at the end of 2020, because that was the beginning of the end for uh, a certain iteration of that dream, which was that we had some really devastating wildfires, which um, have resulted in us not living at home for a long period of time. And ultimately, after serious period of displacement have now resettled here in Austin. Um, and so there was uh, an intention of developing that project and living there for the rest of our lives, you know, 70 years or however long. And then within a matter of months, this last uh, fall winter, we came to the realization that, you know, especially with our daughter and a whole bunch of compounding factors as it relates to California and wildfires and COVID policies and taxes and costs to maintain the size of the property now that we wouldn't be developing the hotel concept because after the fires became pretty difficult to imagine developing a hotel in that location as well as ensuring a hotel that we would build in that location just due to the wildfires. But all those different compounding factors have sort of resulted in what we thought was the dream in consensus reality, the idea that we're developing what we would have called one of the best hotels in the world. Like that was the that was what the dream 
turned into on the ground, like those were the marching orders. That is what we were doing. That is what we were hiring architects to do, engineers to do, etc. cetera. Um, so there was a day this past November, December, January, where we said, okay, we're not doing that. And so after 10 years of just single-mindedly doing that, it was a major thing to say, okay, we're not doing that. And so part of me was then feeling like, well, is the dream dead or did, was the, was the last 10 years kind of for naught? Um, like, was it just a selfish, like endeavor in like, you know, isolation and, you know, because we basically didn't develop this thing to the point of opening it up to the public as a hotel. So I was just kind of like, gosh, all these things we poured into this place, like, is it, was it for nothing? And very quickly, after about a few weeks or a month of deciding that we would be leaving and not sort of salvaging the long-term, um, the idea of living there long-term, um, after a little bit of depression and sort of cloudy headedness, I just saw the whole world open up and realized that since we did have a dream and the dream wasn't to develop the world's best hotel, the dream was actually to live in connection with nature and share nature connection with people as, as a, as a inspiration for self-transformation, basically. I mean, that's what happened to us. We were, you know, when, when we reconnected with nature, our lives changed in many, many, many ways and continue to year after year. And it's sort of at the core of everything we do is this desire to sort of draw closer to, to nature, for lack of a better word. And this uh, project being turning itself into something very specific, like as opposed to my dream being nature connection, all of a sudden my dream became we're developing the world's best hotel. And so luckily I had sort of held on to the essence of the dream throughout that process, because as the idea of building the world's best hotel in that specific location anyways, um, no longer felt real. Well, then all of a sudden in real time, the dream didn't disappear or shrink or anything. It actually just expanded like way beyond the boundaries of the property. Like once you took the property away from the dream, that was the first time I realized that the property was actually a limiting factor on the dream. And so it was constraining the dream and keeping it stuck in this one little property. And the second we took away the idea of the property, well, all of a sudden now the dream is basically relevant to anyone, you know, any organization, any person, any project, any- But what is the dream though? The dream, oh, well, what I mean by the dream is sort of like, how do I want to live my life? And that's a life in balance and relationship with nature, as opposed to where I was coming from, you know, which was like, I want to make millions of dollars on Wall Street and live in a fancy high, you know, like brownstone in Brooklyn. And it was, I, I used to have a completely different sense of what I wanted out of life or what I even thought the options were for life. I grew up in a suburban urban environment i had no relationship with agriculture or the land or nature of any kind beyond like pumpkin picking on halloween that was as that's close super as encouraging for the rest of us that are in the same position and really want to get into it but you did have the dream for a, a hotel though so now you don't uh, just i'm a little confused what you mean by now the dream is bigger well what i mean is that like there's a lot of people who want to develop hotels it wasn't just yeah. me and there's a lot of people who want to develop retreat centers and healing transformative spaces. And some of them are 
commercial ideas and some of them are just private ideas. People want to have this space for themselves and, you know, environments that engage with nature, architecture and landscape design that supports their their sort of, you know, relationship and is all uh, a holistic view. You know, it's not that like our project happened to synthesize a lot of things that aren't are, are usually sort of disparate, you know, like architecture, interior design, holistic health, uh, mindfulness, regenerative agriculture, land stewardship, hospitality, um, you know, there, and then when you intersect that with the actual process of designing and constructing these things, and you start talking about civil engineers, you know, architects, landscape architects, county planners. Yeah, the but you gave up that dream is what you're saying. So, but you're- The dream of specifically developing that project as a resort in California, because we've now left that property and long-term yeah. we're looking to actually sell the property. But ever since moving here, for example, I've had probably a dozen conversations with people who are saying, you know what? I want to do pretty much exactly what you've been doing for the last 10 years and we want your help. Um, and they're reflecting back to me that the skill set and the experiences that we've developed over the last 10 years are easily transferable and broadly applicable, whether it's to a 700 unit high rise apartment complex in a city or an individual who, you know, wants a farm because they're worried about supply chain issues and everything in between. Uh, there's a lot of people who are looking to intersect, you know, earth care, self-care and just holistic practices and nature connection into some other entrepreneurial or personal endeavor, whether it be like a spa, a restaurant, a hotel, a community, a residence. That is super cool, Jared, and very, very encouraging. So, you know, what I hear you say is you guys pivoted and little did you know that those 10 years or so that you were working the land and learning how to become a biodynamic farmer and all the skill sets and labor intensive things that were required for that now gave you the foundation to basically be an expert consultant and pay it forward. And to your point of now you can help so many more people because now you know, rather than just being limited to your physical brick and mortar, you can reach so many more people. And uh, a similar thing happened to me with my club. Once I closed my brick and mortar lifestyle club, uh, now, you know, with online things and different things I'm doing, it's, you can actually reach more people. So that's very encouraging. Yeah. And it's not that I was necessarily developing myself to be a farmer, you know, because I was more of a farm owner than a farmer. We had a farm director working for us in the field day in and day out. And so if anything, I was sort of developing myself to be more of like a hotelier. Um, okay. But beyond that, I was really actually sort of an owner builder. I mean, it didn't have to be a hotel. It could have been any vision that a person, any person with a big vision that wanted to bring it to life in terms of building and design and intersecting people to come interact with it and have an experience and have that be staffed and operated in a way that pulls off that experience at a certain level, depending on what the goals are. And so all the complexities of interacting the public with these high vision 
you know, ethos that normally get thrown out the window on a development project. You know, you're just trying to do it as quickly and uh, cost effectively as possible. Okay, but the but the be here farm component. I mean, what what then brought that into the mix is such a prominent part. I mean, where where did your value set of respecting and working with nature come into the play of this big business decision dream? Well, you know, we we wanted to pursue a business that was going to enable the lifestyle that we were seeking. So mm -hmm. at the inception of the idea, we were living in Manhattan and Brooklyn, working on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange, craving a completely different life. My wife was working in marketing uh, at Bloomingdale's. And so this was a reflection of our personal transformation as a result of our personal reconnection with nature and holistic health in general. So after encountering a Czech practitioner for the first time, and I'll let my brother tell his story because I think he'll probably be on your show at some point, but his journey was a major weight loss journey um, working with a Czech practitioner. And so I sort of witnessed that and said, you know, I could get involved a little bit here. And um, I, I, I was introduced to mindfulness. I was introduced to organic food. I was introduced to the idea of having a dream. I was introduced to uh, so many things that were seeds that are now you know, the pillars of my day and therefore life and family and my daughters being raised within this worldview. So it's been very informative to me. And it was kind of like a switch, you know, it was like a moment in time where it's just been different, kind of better day by day since then, certainly year over year. And um, so that discovery personally, which started letting, leading to me really craving these things so we started going on vacations that were exclusively around like getting us near farming regions where there was like a lot of regenerative agriculture going on and maybe like a farm to table restaurant or two that was kind of featuring them and we would go on vacation to places like that and one of them ended up being napa you know there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on uh, this amazing food wine and hospitality and um we we, we basically went on vacation to Napa and didn't realize at the time that that was sort of a major light on in terms of, that was the first time I had been around agriculture that was, you know, I don't even know how to describe it, but wineries are not like production farms that you picture, you know, on the side of a highway somewhere growing, like, even though it is actually just a, a large monoculture. So you have to be careful um, with your growing practices for, if you're growing grapes because even though it looks pretty and it's super romantic at the end of the day Rumi, hey at the end of the day um I name your dog is Rumi. that's great <laughs> well okay so let's uh let's just kind of pivot a little bit jared um just so we don't totally run out of time on that one but um you know i I'm sure you are very much aware, as you stated, when you now are in Texas, there's so many people that want your help and your expertise with the regenerative farming that it's becoming, thank God, a little, I don't want to say mainstream. I mean, the typical city doesn't know anything about it, but at least in our circles, I mean, I'm all about it. I think I've told you I'm, I'm excited to manifest my dream ranch, which uh, I'll definitely need to hire people because I really don't even know how to grow a tomato, never mind anything else, but I'm all about it. And um, 
it's it's kind of gaining in, in respect and popularity. Um, in fact, one of my shows that was a very popular one was uh, episode 84 with Jim Gale on permaculture. So I'd love to know your thoughts as a, as a real in the trenches expert on the state of where things are at and maybe some concerns you have about how it's being done or, or misconceptions you want to clear up in the modern day that are out there. And then, uh, cause obviously the benefits are pretty obvious. So, yeah, you know, man, it's, uh, it's never, it's never super fun talking about it at the end of the day, because people are often left feeling like, well, now what do we do? Right. Um, so yeah. I, I do want to make sure if we do go down this rabbit hole to at least consider, well, now what do we do? So we don't leave people hanging, but I, I mean, the, the general from, from my perspective, which is like, I'm, I'm looking at it at a very statistically rare perspective because 1% of us farmland is certified organic and the numbers are similar globally and 0.002% of us farmland is certified biodynamic, which is the manner which we've been farming. Mm -hmm. And those numbers are actually even, even though they sound tiny, they're, they're actually smaller because the 1% includes all of industrial monoculture organic as well. So, you know, organic, uh, doesn't mean that you're not a monoculture organic. Doesn't mean that right. you're, you, you have a, a wide ethos around regenerative principles or farm worker health and safety or watershed health and safety or, or any of those things. So there's, you know, once organic became codified as the USA organic in, um, I guess the nineties, probably, um, it was now defined as, you know, this list of chemicals to use or not use, but it had become rather, you know, absent of most of the broader ethos around sustainability and alternative, more appropriate technologies like composting and composting toilets and solar power and rainwater harvest things that like some of them are actually illegal in california like composting toilets we funded one time we donated to this kickstarter for an organization who was trying to research and get permitted and get approved the idea of composting toilets because it's illegal in most counties across california and um so it's just kind of amazing but uh, rain, rainwater and certain types of water catchment is also not allowed in, in various, if not all, of California. Um, so crazy. I don't understand that. Yeah, it's really crazy. Talk so about, talk about control. You can't, yeah. you can't catch the rain. So, I mean, who owns the rain? The state. I think the <laughs> I, second, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think, hypothetically, I think second, like who? I mean, that's nuts. That's like saying you yeah. can't breathe this air over here. And this, oh, you're not allowed to breathe this section of air on the earth. <laughs> yeah, I do believe that once the water hits the ground in California, it's the states. Um, Unbelievable. So, yeah, like our, our lake on the property that and we swim in it and whatever, we're definitely not allowed to use it and draft out of it for like agricultural or personal reasons. Um, mm. It's protected in that way. And you're, you're not, you, you have to, re, we have to measure its height and report it and, um, you know, et cetera. So, the uh i'm looking at it from a very rare perspective because like within that one percent 
there's the entire organic industry, the type of food you see labeled as organic at the grocery store and the type of food you see labeled as organic in processed foods. Um, these are like large scale monoculture farms growing with a very similar methodology as themselves next door on their chemical farm. So it's the same companies I'm sure own, you know, billions of dollars of organic sales and billions of dollars of non-organic sales. And ultimately there's probably, you know, a handful of food companies that own them all. And so that just because it says organic doesn't mean that you've like catapulted into this super holistic regenerative realm of food options. So it's so not really you said like, that. yeah, so I mean, true. it is where it starts. It is, you know, that's the thing. Why, this, that's why when I talk to people, sometimes they're like, well, now what do I do? Because I leave them feeling like shit. Um, because the, the word organic, the word natural, the word sustainability, these things conjure up pictures in our mind that are not being met by the producers and the, the marketers who are selling them to us. So you don't really even want to, yeah, you want to eat organic stuff, of course. But like, if you were to describe how I would prefer my food to be grown, it would only be able to be described as beyond organic based on the options available to us. I'm not even talking about the actual definitions of them because anyone can meet the bare minimum of these certain, I don't mean anyone, obviously a chemical farm can't, but with intention, anyone can look at this list and say, all right, we will do this. We won't do that. We're going to be an organic farm. We're going to fill out the paperwork and we're going to pass the certification, but there's nothing on the certification. There's nothing on the final price tag. There's nothing on usually the marketing material at the grocery store or anywhere to indicate to you whether or not this person has in any way gone above and beyond those bare minimums. And choosing to go above and beyond those bare minimums, for all the reasons I just said, unless you're communicating that to a consumer or have a direct relationship with them or have made an added value product that's marketed appropriately like ours so people understand the value and you know the, the differentiations that went into it, there's really no profit incentive for a person to do extra things above and beyond because they get to just call it organic regardless. So at the end of the day, a farmer is really only making these decisions if it's what they think is right to them. Um, there's nobody making them do it. There's nobody watching them. The people who are coming and watching them are satisfied because they've achieved the bare minimum. So to do what we did, which is to say like, we're not gonna buy any chemicals or any store-bought materials, including organic ones, is very rare. Because like the most yeah. common organic, you can go to the store and buy organic solutions to all these things, organic pesticides, organic fungicides, mm -hmm. organic, you know, mm -hmm. herbicides, organic fertilizers, organic flower, you know, uh, I'm losing the word, but things to promote, you know, and cannabis and in other crops, things to promote like fast production of various parts of the, the crop, like a flower. Um, so all of these things are completely available. The biodynamic method um, probably prohibits all of those things, um, certainly most of those things. And generally, the biodynamic method relies on a person either making or sourcing and then sort of activating and utilizing what are called the biodynamic preparations, which these are homeopathic medicines used in extremely small doses and made from completely benign materials like chamomile is one of them. Um, so these are plant, mineral, animal materials that are 
put together in particular ritualistic sort of meditative ceremonies and then composted for periods of time. And then that material, most of the, most of the variations of that, there's, there's a handful of these preparations, most of them actually end up in the compost pile. And so from the compost pile, the compost is obviously then distributed to the growing areas um, where plants are eventually planted and grown and harvested. And so as opposed to buying a product at the store, which is a fertilizer to grow a crop that I'm about to plant right there, as you can see just from this couple sentences I just said, the alternative is mul multiple years of effort and growing seasons to culminate in a environment that is rich and fertile enough to produce unarguably a better crop, not just a crop. And so what you've done there is you've tended to the entire, the health of this entire environment. And so like all boats rise in the high tide. And so when we've tended to this environment, all of the crops are rising healthfully within it, as opposed to like a depleted environment where everything has been, you know, when you strip out all the biodiversity from the area, like they do on a monoculture farm, on a monoculture farm, the objective is to kill everything that you can see so that we can grow this one thing, the cash crop. Wow. So it's like, we want to put a fence around, keep all the livestock out. We want to trap any little critters that get into this zone or poison them so that like their offspring all die. And this zone becomes more and more over time clear of these pests. Um, wow. We want to herbicides. What do you think the side part means? That means kill the motherfucker. So they want to just wipe the whole field of anything that could possibly grow and live and compete with their cash crop. There's and just so, like so much wrong with that. Um, how can anyone be that narrow-minded and ignorant to think that that myopically that it's well, not going to influence everything down the chain? It's only because like it's only I think it's only you know it becomes crystal clear when somebody says it bluntly like I just did, but. The truth is, is that when you're in those shoes, it's like it only it makes all the sense in the world. I mean, how, you, how got so? the, you got this farm and you got these kids and you got these loans and you got these yeah. this equipment. Yeah. And you're literally going to starve to death or be yeah. homeless if you don't grow this crop of soy or whatever the ag consultant mm. said, you know, signed you up for that, you know, so. I'm, and, and, and sometimes it's generations of those decisions. You know, I've inherited a third generation farm. This is all I have. Um, and like the industry is just absolutely swallowing me up. And it's it's cheaper for me to take an insurance claim on a crop failure than it is to go out there and harvest the crop. So it's like there's a huge separation um, over time of our relationship to food based on the manner in which we've grown it and how society has evolved generally to where you're at a place where you're like, I want my food to be sacred and one with all and full of nutrients and raised in the most holy way. Okay. Well, over time, like there was a time where we didn't think that, but it just kind of was that, you know, like pre, you know, nomadic humans, pre-civilization, you know, there was a time when we were just 
not that different from the trees and the the other animals mm. we were completely immersed in the experience of this evolving universe and as the seasons were flowing and the animals were migrating and we were following them and we were harvesting and grazing on this and that and foraging um we were just one with that entire flow but then at a certain point we said no like actually this is a pretty good place to plant an apple tree and let's just come back this meadow's epic the animals love it here let's just come back here every spring and we'll have apples and the animals will be happy and then next time it's like let's plant a fig tree there okay this is the, how farming started so now we have campsites along our nomadic path where we've settled and we have invested in things and we're tending to them over time but not too much involvement you know basically we just planted the tree and it's now growing itself um eventually over time and you know groups of civilizations um who kind of evolve ways to farm a little bit more intentionally usually a grain and so they'll find some way to plant a whole field to a specific crop and now they're making bread all year long and this is a game changer so now this is my field we're fencing it off it's not your field it's my field it used to be we've harvested a deer and now we all have to share it because it's we're a community it's the only way to survive now it's like this is my farm that's your farm i'm going to hire those people you hire your own people i'm going to store it in my silo i'm going to tax you and give you this you know seasonally to make sure we all have enough and it goes on and on and on to the point where you know by the time this this land had been fully colonized and you know no longer practicing indigenous ways at all we were soon enough mechanized soon enough industrialized and this thought process of separating further and further away from like this is a sacred unity to this is a commodity this is a commodity we can extract whatever we need to to feed a growing population regardless of the damage it does to the land because there's endless amounts of land like we just go you know move on to the next area we just spread out we make bigger farms we make better machines we you by the time you know the 1800s come around they're already talking about how we should just come up with inorganic ways to produce these materials because as far as a plant's concerned there's no difference between organic and inorganic materials and so by the time world war 1 rolls around and they develop synthetic nitrogen for TNT dynamite bombs stuff like that well we now have the thing they've been they've been looking for this for 100 years so we didn't even think about it we just said synthetic nitrogen that's it and this is where chemical fertilizers you know really mm -hmm. start to exist is from these 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 wartime developments around synthetic nitrogen for for bombs basically jared i think that's really important to maybe repeat and emphasize for people that they don't understand that pesticides and the the like you said are from war byproducts of chemicals that were used for weapons that they wanted to dispose of same thing for soy by the way it was a byproduct that they didn't know what to do with it so they figured out how to monetize it and that's what makes up pesticides yeah so there's you you're exactly right except i just want to clarify one thing which is that the Please. pesticides was would be you know so originally the first real kind of breakthrough that poured gasoline on the idea of like we already had mechanized agriculture at this point we just didn't have chemical industrial agriculture but mechanized ag 
you know, start like 1803 or 18, whatever, cotton is king. 1830s, cotton is king was the, the common saying in agriculture. And so what they mean by that is that, you know, when you used to grow tomatoes and spinach and various things to feed your family, uh, and you'd give the extra to your neighbors and you'd sell, you know, your pies to this guy and he'd fix your horse's hoofs or whatever the <laughs> deal was. Um, now we have trains and cities. And so we're growing large amounts of food and shipping it to someone on the other side of the country, likely to some sort of like co-op that is a middleman. So we're not even getting the best price. And basically there's multiple people in between us and the people who are eating the food. We have no relationship with them at all. We don't even care about them. And so we have mechanized ag at this point. By the time we get to World War I and they develop synthetic nitrogen, now we have chemical ag. And then that just continues to expand. So by the time we get to World War II, the insecticides, I want to say it's called Zyklon B, the insecticides that they developed for the Nazi gas chambers are by uh, Bayer, like the grandfathers of uh, Bayer and uh, I'm forgetting the other company's name. Um, they developed these companies. And basically, I think in the Nuremberg trials, we're kind of like, we just thought like, of course they wanted insecticides. These were crowded army barracks. Like we have to keep sanitation clean, but they were pretending to turn a blind eye to the idea that like the volume of insecticide they were going through could only be explained by the fact that they were murdering people with it. Um, so those chemicals just, you know, whether they're from World War I, World War II, or even DDT, which is famous around the time of Vietnam, these chemicals, have their military applications and then they just get whatever you know once we have factories and and methods for producing this stuff it's like you know how to make the most out of it financially basically is is it becomes yes. a self-driven self thing there's so much there jared and i'm just so grateful that you are on the show i mean you're obviously a wealth of information and this is so critically important for everybody not only my audience but the world and i really hope people share this episode in your knowledge um, because just put a pen in that for a second because I just want to make a point about the organic thing. Um, unfortunately, it's just the term has been bastardized. It's been completely sold out and the small farmer can't even, it's not cost effective for a small farmer to get organically certified. Please jump in and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this because I probably, I don't know, but this is what I've studied that they can't, it's not even worth them getting, going through, jumping through all those hoops. Um, yeah. and, and, and to your point, it's not necessarily even that optimal anyway at this point, because you can get poisons that are quote unquote organically, you know, raised. And it drives me crazy. Even just take eggs. Okay. Everybody, well, not everybody, but most people buy eggs, right? And they're, now they're, most of them are labeled organic because of course all the big companies are jumping on their organic bandwagon, which is why it's been bastardized. But it drives me nuts, Jared, because just because the egg is saying organic, well, maybe the chickens were fed organic soy, Big flipping deal. We're not supposed to eat soy. Soy is not a real food product. So the fact that it's organic and people are, they're just, they're, they're hoodwinking everybody by just throwing that label on and people mindlessly, you know, just think, oh, then it's healthy, but not necessarily. Organic is not a panacea. 
Yeah, organic as it relates to animals means that they were fed organic food. There you go. So the clever, the clever trick that they've done there is that they don't describe its living conditions. There you um, go. So mm -hmm. like an organic, like if something is, if you've ever seen organic beef, for example, mm -hmm. that's a little curious because beef eat grass. So what does that mean? You're now feeding them organic grain which they're yes. not even supposed to eat. It makes them exactly. sick. Exactly. And so now they've been fed organic grain and now they're organic beef and now they're a healthy thing, but no, they're not. No, because they're eating something they're not supposed to eat. Yeah. How, eat how healthy would you be if you ate, um, you know, pencils all day? You know, you're not <laughs> exactly. supposed to eat pencils. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's, it's an organic pencil. <laughs> I don't know why this is true, but I know it's true because I've looked it up a few times now, but there's like a certain percentage of animal feed that is old candy like like waste candy products oh well they're, they're as you know they're allowed to cut out tumors and cancerous growths and stuff and still sell that meat because they're as you know they're sold by weight so the animals are just you know and that's part of why they're all given antibiotics because they're all so sick they never see the sun they like you said they don't eat grass i mean they're they're totally stressed out how healthy would you be in under all those conditions your meat. Each each type of thing, each, you know, vegetables, you know, fruits, chickens, each type of thing, it really is worthwhile to just ask a couple questions and learn a little bit about how these things are grown. So you could just at that point make an intelligent decision. Like if you mm -hmm. go to the farmer's market, I ask this question all the time. Like sometimes they say organic or don't say organic. I just say, hey, could you tell me a little bit about your growing practices? And they'll usually say something like, oh, we're sustainable or natural. And I'll be like, oh, cool. Do you spray anything on your products? Like, what kind of stuff do you spray? I'm just super curious and trying to learn more about farming. Um, and then they'll tell me and I'll say, oh, what is that? And they'll say, when they get to the point when they say, I don't really know, that's usually a red flag. Um, and then I'll say, oh, can I, can I look it up? What's the name of it? I'm just going to Google it real quick. And I'll say, oh, wow. <laughs> petroleum based that's so interesting you are like good. all right have a great day um yeah. i'm like i'm like I, t I don't i tend not to eat things like that okay and petroleum is not good why jared oh i don't know i mean like i don't like eating how could eating petroleum be good <laughs> good point <laughs> i mean it's to your point it's illogical right so just use your own in instinct and logical uh method of reduction is that makes sense right yeah i have a high line in the in the sand of what i will and won't put in my body like definitely above that line whole foods unprocessed whole foods all right there's really nothing else that gets a free pass above the line if you want to enter or get on my body and you're not a whole unprocessed food i just want to know what you are and that usually is minimally processed for me so it'll just, you know, whatever it'll be. Oh, it's a smoked brisket. Okay. You smoked it. Cool. So if you grilled it or seared it, I would be curious what oil or fat you cooked it in because mm -hmm. that could make it very undigestible for me. And so a farm to table restaurant can advertise as such. And it's just kind of the bare minimum thing again, because they could serve you a grass fed steak from a local cow with you know, Cisco, basil, pesto, and Cisco herbs and spices, and Costco uh, apple cider vinegar, vinaigrette, and, you know, you have some blend there 
of super regenerative protein with industrial organic or chemical fruits and vegetables and, and usually industrial chemical seeds, mm -hmm. seed oils and spices. And so, you Canola know- Canola oil, which is yeah, poison. Not so great at the end of the day. So before we have people just saying, gosh, I thought I was doing a good job eating uh -huh. organic. It's like, it's a, it's a thread that you, you just keep pulling on and mm -hmm. you're either pulling on it because you enjoy it or because you want to be healthy. And now you're learning that this is a way to be more healthy. Um, at a certain point, if you're following it because of health, it's going to become the other one because eventually following a path of health does increase your joy dramatically. And so for me going to what for somebody at the beginning of their road on this topic might feel like is an extreme measure for me, it's so joyful to think about what food I'm going to be eating and the places that I'll be at soon. Like if I know I'm going to be traveling somewhere, I start researching the farms and the markets. And if it's an, if I'm going to a fancy hotel, I'll call the concierge and ask them. And usually once I'm on the ground, I go visit one or two of these places and then get five more recommendations. And We've only been here in Texas for a few months and we're very easily recommending to our friends who've been here for years, this farm or that beef or that chicken or this milk, uh, that restaurant. And so it, it just involves, you know, asking questions and being curious and, and excited about it. And that way you don't trigger people into thinking that like you're trying to ask them because you think their product is not good enough or mm -hmm. you think mm -hmm. you know more than them or anything because people do sort of judgmental mm -hmm. yeah you don't want to be judgmental about it but mm -hmm. at, the end of the day, at the end of the day they should they should be excited and willing to share if they're proud of their work and if they're not then again no judgment but it's not going to be for me yep i think that's smart so jared what would you say to the person who um just doesn't want to spend the extra money on organic that just doesn't really think it's worth it. Like, Hey, you know what? At least I'm eating an apple rather than a candy bar. Like it's, it's organic, you know, or it's, or excuse me, it's, it's not organic, but at least it's an apple or at least it's chicken rather than eating pasta, you know, like that doesn't want to spend the money. They don't, they just don't believe it's really that much better. What would, what you would say I to say to them? Mm -hmm. I mean, are they asking me to convince them of otherwise? No, they just they just feel like why would I why would I spend the extra you know ninety cents on that when I can just get this? I wouldn't say anything to that person. I would say you know good on you, God bless you. But my like you know the, like my brother shares a, a funny Rumi uh, Osho story about like waking you know nobody likes to be woken up from a dream, <laughs> um, so like. <laughs> You, you don't, you know, I'm not going to go shake that person and be like, were well, you crazy? Like, this has got chemicals all over it. It's going to be carcinogenic and it's going to be in your semen and your babies. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say any pimples. <laughs> but if the person, if the person was saying to me, like, Jared, thank you so much for all the advice you gave me last time we spoke. I've started eating you know, all vegetables fresh from the, from the market and all local beef. And they were kind of missing the idea that like it was organic. Like when I started eating organic, I was eating organic donuts. So I was missing the exactly. gap that yeah. I wasn't going to uh -huh. get healthier just because I was eating organic items. Um, and so if the person wants this information, I'm a never, like I call people to talk, I, I talk about this for fun. So if a person wants the information, 
I will of course talk to them. And in that case, what would I say to them? I would just say that like, there's no level of toxicity that I'm looking to willingly introduce into my body. There's enough exposure to toxicity yes. in our world that if I'm going to intentionally put it on or take it into my body, I'm just, I'm going to not introduce toxins in, in any way possible. And so like the argument would be, well, there's peer reviewed science that says there's really no difference between organic and non-organic food. And I would say, well, when I read that study, it does say some things that bring me caution as an individual, like there will be higher levels of pesticides in the urine of children who are raised on organic foods versus inorganic foods. And so there's no level of pesticides I want in my daughter's urine. Like you're talking about levels of toler, like you're talking about thresholds of what amount Acceptable. of- yeah. Acceptable. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I don't know who, I don't know what government office is defining that, but it does not meet my definition of the amount of pesticides that is tolerable within my daughter's urine. I just got an science experiment. I don't want point. her to develop some cancer mm -hmm. 30, 40 years from now because this guy's threshold was wrong. So I take a very precautionary approach to anything that's been processed or made in an industrial way. Like I stopped drinking Topo Chico, which I was drinking like once a day because Consumer Reports put out a study that said it was just through the roof in the PFSA forever chemicals. And so Ooh. you're thinking this is water, how could that be? And it's just the meth the process of industrializing things at large scale yeah. introduces adulterants. And so for whatever reason, the, 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 the machine that the water passes through or the way the caps are put on, for some reason it, it introduces these forever chemicals. Uh, and they, of course, have a threshold that they, for whatever reason, tolerate. And then Topo and other brands far exceed those thresholds. And then I'm sitting here thinking like, my threshold is zero. I don't want forever chemicals in my body. I don't want these things in our food supply. Right, I, I so, want these chemicals to be and, banned. And at least the things that you can control, because we're getting so bombarded by so many toxins that we can't control. We can't control the 5G yeah. emitting into our brains from satellites that Elon Musk or Bill Gates putting in. You know, we there's so many toxins that our bodies are dealing with. Why why shouldn't we prioritize controlling the ones we can, like our food? Yeah, and the uncontrollable ones, you know, I don't spend hardly a moment thinking about it unless I can contribute to them positively. Like if mm -hmm. there was a way, and speaking publicly is one of them, if there was a way to contribute positively to a transformation of the food system into a far more regenerative system, mm -hmm. I would love to contribute to that in my lifetime. But well, there, you are. there are, in my way, but there, but, yeah. but I meant like in a, in a way where it's like, wow, billions of people are eating biodynamic food and we're all so much healthier. He, he was Maybe right. one day. We can only hope, Jared. We can only hope. What would you say to the person saying, you know what? I don't buy organic, but I buy that really great veggie wash and I'll just wash off the, the toxins and pesticides. Please, what would you say to them? I, I mean... It's an interesting concept because there are some things that are just sprayed on the outside. And oh, so, okay. and especially like uh, things that have rinds and skins. And so like, yeah, statistically, if you just peel a banana, there's less pesticide in, you know, because it, some of the stuff that they're spraying is for like rot and fungus and 
you know, pests that they don't want to bore into it. And so they are topical things like that. Okay. Some of the topical things on fruits, I don't know enough about this, but our farm director, Eitan, and I were learning a little bit about it through some, you know, peripheral teachings, but we never looked into it. But there's like hormone sprays that they're spraying on fruits to get them to mm-hmm. ripen and mature in certain speeds or times or in uniform, you know, cycles, whatever. And so in terms of that stuff, first of all, now you're, there's two problems. One, the, the least, like one of the problems you've identified, you've washed off something that was sprayed on the product, but then there's two other silos of problems that I see. One is you've now introduced something. So what are you spraying on it? If it's essential oils and stuff like that, like even that can be, you don't, it's not like you want to eat a bunch of essential oils. I know certain people do in certain practices and probably should keep an eye on that and get their blood, their blood checked out and make sure their organs aren't being burdened by it. But I know it's done, but it's not something I want to do to everything I eat, just add essential oils to it. I, essential oils are environmentally intensive to produce in the first place. So the idea that now I'm going to have essential oils to spray on every fruit and vegetable, it's like, who's growing these? They're growing them. These essential oils are grown in an industrial farm or these essential oils are fraudulent or adulterated because that's how essential oil industry works. So it's like, what are you introducing in the first place? And then on the front end, it's like, if this thing was treated with chemicals, it was probably grown in an entirely chemical way, which means inside and out, the whole DNA of this thing, everything, every you are what you eat, right? We are what we eat, and what we eat is what it eats. And eventually- You are you what back. you ate, ate. <laughs> exactly, and eventually you get back to the soil. And so we are the soil. And so at the end of the day, there's this thin ribbon of soil that exists not even in all places. You've seen rocky peaks where there's no soil. So in some places there's soil and all of the plants, animals, and humans on earth are grown in that soil. And to destroy it with industrial chemicals and inappropriate practices when we have more appropriate alternatives and have had this knowledge for thousands of years, and then even in a post-industrial world, I've had this knowledge for over 120 years or so. Rudolf Steiner started speaking about the concept of biodynamic agriculture, which is the first kind of post-industrial organic concept, you know, saying like, wait, I think we took a wrong turn. Mm-hmm. There, there's incredible books written from the early 1900s, um, Farmers of 40 Centuries, I think it's by F.H. King, unless I'm crossing a title on an author, but there's incredible book, Weston A. Price, there's incredible information coming out from the first 30 years, you know, 1900 to 19, right around World War One and World War Two, And it's just been essentially ignored. What was it, uh, Bellafor? Wasn't he, he, wasn't that Yeah, uh, yeah, that's like 1939. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then the soil, and it, it, it all from the soil. Right. And Sir Albert Howard, even more famously so, probably because he's a man the next year in 1940, Agricultural mm-hmm. Testament. Mm-hmm. And these things were based on observations of indigenous practices, um, which would have been thousands of years running at that point. And, mm-hmm. you know, tens. And so it's just this information has always been there from from the from, you know, historical perspective. But I mean, even in a post. OK, I get it. We industrialized. It's like we all pulled a hood over our eyes and we just fucking went crazy on industry and mechanism and everything but then i'm saying we woke up in about 1924 we as a people through the eyes of rudolf steiner woke up and and other people and said like no we took a wrong turn and so 
And people said that he was 100 years ahead of his time, which is now. So it's yeah. like, here mm -hmm. we are. Now is the time. And, you know, it's the only time we have. So uh, I feel passionate about it. And that's the point of our brand in a sense, be here, farm in nature. So it's a call to mindfulness around our relationship with agriculture and nature connection. And just applying the lens of mindfulness to these things is all that it takes by mindfully asking the questions at the farmer's market, by mindfully selecting what I'm going to choose and, and either growing it myself or, or buying it through a person who choose, I, I can outsource to them. There's brands like mine uh, that may take these things really seriously. And so you don't have to do it yourself, even though everybody should dip their toe in the water with like a potted herb on their windowsill, because that's where I started. And um, it's a slippery slope. You know, you get that fresh thyme and you're sprinkled on top of your dinner and you're just like, hmm, it does taste different. And, well, uh, you know, we all... year, like a tomato and you, you, just, you just go from there. And hopefully we've all experienced a homegrown vegetable or something and just the taste difference. I mean, there's a big reason why you can't get kids to eat vegetables because they taste like nothing, you know, but as opposed to a real. Most people haven't, I don't think. Oh, geez. Well, that's nuts. I mean, there's the problem right there because it's a completely different experience. And I know you've had clients and like your brother and things that are in Paul and stuff that you've sent stuff to. And they're basically like on the floor orgasming how amazingly delicious it is. Not to mention some of the stuff you produce even rivals the effects of plant medicines. It's so powerful and it's life force and it's regenerative effects in your mind, body and spirit. Like this, that's testimony right there because there's no proof as good as something of experiencing it for yourself that, totally. and you feel better you feel better you know to your point about not wanting to put toxins in your body you know i'm the same way you know intellectually of course but for me i have i need to have a high life force because i have a lot to do i have big goals big plans big responsibilities I can't afford to have low energy or, you know, not feel confident because my skin's breaking out and I don't want to talk to anybody or whatever. So for me, there's a lot of reasons why I prioritize not only my pocketbook, but also my time in preparation and, and my taste buds to wanting these quality of foods because I want to feel good. It's, it's, it comes down to being selfish, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, but I can't be like, my best me if I don't feel It's good. not selfish in the perspective of, of I, we, all, which have right. you, has that been spoken about on the show? No, please. Just like, so it's a teaching that Paul synthesized or originated, I'm not sure, but um, mm -hmm. the premise that, uh, you know, you have your relationship with yourself and that, let's say there's a potential 100% of me that I can be. And if I'm operating at a 20% deficit because I'm sleep deprived and eating, you know, inflammatory foods and burning the midnight oil or whatever it is, I'm now operating at 80% my best. Now, when I move into the next level of relationship and I get to the we level, my relationship with my wife, my daughter, anyone super one-on-one -on -one, close and intimate to me, I take my deficit into the we relationship with me. So if she's coming in at 20% off and I'm coming in at 20% off, our we relationship has a 40% deficit that we're operating on at all times. So it's obvious that we're going to be miscommunicating and, you know, whatever. 
and then it compounds again at the next level. So as a society, when we all come together at a PTA meeting or whatever, we're all coming in, you know, collectively thousands of percent deficient from our collective holes if we're all not doing the things that you said. So I, we all leads one to believe that uh, taking care of yourself is like an incredible contribution to your family and community and to the community at large. So in that regard, because of the ripple effect, it's the least selfish thing you can do because you are going to be your best you. So next time you feel selfish that, you know, you can't be your best optimal self. Um, but there's back to our point too, that there's no, there's no substitute for experiencing it firsthand. And unfortunately, one of the things I also say is a lot of people just don't know what it is, Jared, to feel amazing kind of naturally, like without, you know, like doing ecstasy or something, you know what I mean? Because they've never felt it. It's like a catch 22, but you've got to, it takes energy to heal. You can't, you, you don't have the energy to work out or prepare healthy food. You just do whatever's convenient and call, you know, Uber Eats and have it dumped at your door. It takes energy, to, but it's a, it's a self-fulfilling cycle, unfortunately. So you just got to start and then let the momentum build. And then when you start experiencing it, that gives you motivation to keep it going and to keep putting the energy into it. I mean, if I could just, yes, and you, I don't know if you're familiar with the improv term, yes, and. Yes, uh, I share. If I could just, yes, and you, um, uh-huh. like, I found positive feedback loops everywhere I looked. So I wouldn't say like. Excellent. It's not like you got to wait three years or even three yep. months to feel positive. Mm-hmm. Like you can close, let's just like, uh, we were going to do um, the, uh, you and I have a, Anyone who buys one of our products gets a, a invited to a, a complimentary video consultation, usually with me. And so we were going to do ours because you have some of our products. Yeah, we're going to talk about that next. You're going to take me up on that. Okay, cool. Well, then Absolutely. we're just, that's where we are now. Um, I was just going to say that we offer a guided facial relaxation on those calls to people who are interested. And it's probably 30 or 40 seconds long. And I can give you examples of ones that are one breath or two seconds long. And somebody who has no mindfulness practice or experience at all should tap into a few books or resources that really make it clear to you that it's like one breath is all it takes. You could start with one breath tomorrow, try two, the next day, try three, because you want to just have it feel good. And, you know, you can just go have one really clean homemade meal and just see how it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you really are honest with yourself, and you and you recognize which of these things do make you feel better um on the whole too because once you apply the lens of mindfulness to knowing that these that people land food creatures wildlife everybody was more or less harmed or everybody was more or less supported between these two processes it's like you know and the lineage of them is going back like you said all the way to sort of warfare and like total destruction So it's like the energetic underlyings of these systems that created the things that you're now eating. It's sort of, you know, it does feel good to support regenerative systems that are, um, you know, regenerative should be, if I were to define it, if I were to encourage, because that's another thing, people are going to start saying, there's no definition of regenerative or, you know, Coca-Cola is going to be regenerative by next year. I guarantee it. Probably. So, I agree. So like yep. mm-hmm. Regenerative. Like the organic. Need, yeah. It needs to do for its own sake. It needs to do what 
um, organic didn't do, which is probably have indigenous people at the forefront and wow. have it have it be as broadly um, broadly applied to people, community, land, wildlife, watersheds. It has to be as holistic as possible mm -hmm. because otherwise it's just going to become organic. No, right on. All right, let's uh, get into this amazing pro these amazing products you have. We have to share with the audience your amazing um, skin serum, your so summer solstice serum. Uh, just please tell us because everybody, your skin, as you know, is your largest organ. And anything you put on your skin is like Paul's, Paul Check says, if it's on your skin, you're drinking it. So anything that's applied to your skin, creams, lotions, powders, swimming in a chlorinated pool, your skin just sucks it right in. This stuff is a game changer. Your summer solstice serum, I'm in love with it. I, you just hooked me up with like a case of it because I'm going through it like candy. I put it all over my body. I put it in my hair. I love this stuff. Please, Jared, tell us what it is, why it's so special. So look at that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so, you I mean, guys like, got to look on YouTube. I'm showing it here. Yeah. So what they're going to they're, they're find is in our, our brand new packaging, which is the thing, the other thing in your hand. Yep, exactly right. So um, the clear bottles, as beautiful as they are for showing off the color of the product, yes, they don't do as orange. good of a job as protecting the product. Uh, um, ooh, okay, and so the products, are, mm -hmm. the, the products are coming in with such high vitality and the mirror is protecting it, you know? So it's nice to, then, then you could be a little bit more indiscriminate about where you leave it and stuff like that. Good uh, to know. The mirror really does protect it. Just so you know, the other one, the clear bottle, I've been leaving them out for years with absolutely no problem. They've been made in the sun. That's one of the differentiations. So it's like, how are you going to damage it too much by leaving it in the sun? That's how I made it. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, but over time, I'm sure, over time, I'm sure it would increase its, you know, its uh, oxidation. But basically, what we have is a collection of cold pressed solar and lunar botanical infusions. And what that means is that. We take wild foraged or biodynamically grown or far beyond organically grown botanicals, herbs, and flowers, and we submerge them into an oil, in this case, olive oil, uh, in other cases, avocado oil or sweet almond oil. Those are three different oils that are featured in our products. And um, basically, the flowers go into a glass jar, looks just like this, right? A large mason jar and you'd fill it up with flowers and then fill it up with oil. And then we'd place this, this is yarrow, by the way, yarrow flowers. Wow. Um, you, there's nothing in it because it's been through the process, but you'd uh -huh, place this but in. But it's like brown. <laughs> yeah. You place this into the sun uh, and the moon, right? You can't just do one, but you place it into a, green, a glass hut in, in our farm. And the sunshine and the moonshine passing over it each day is the only force of action that gets applied to the serum at any point. So that's crazy. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Oh, there's, is that different? There's no artificial heat. There's no artificial pressure. There's that's incredible. No equipment wow. utilized. So the universe sort of just goes on doing its thing. The jar sits in place. Everything unwinds around it. And that's so how do you mash up the flowers, though, if no machines? get it well at that liquid. point it's a not... lot of the a lot of these flowers in fact all of them except the first ingredient which is wild st john's wort 
uh, all of the other flowers are actually dehydrated before they go in because we want to take the water content out of them just so they be, would be shelf stable. So if the water content was in all these flowers when it went into the oil, then it would like mold over time, you know? So we oh, have okay. to we have to dry the flowers first. Because this is complete liquid just for the audience. This is a, just is a complete liquid. There's yeah, no the, yeah, so, particles in it. No, at the end of the yeah. infusion process, which is one moon cycle, so about a month cool. of sitting in the sun and the moon, we then put them through, I, I, next time we talk, I'll set it up right here so we can see it. We put them through what's called a tincture press. It's just oh, that'd be awesome. A little steel machine with a bucket in the middle. And so you put the material in a cheesecloth in the bucket, and then you pull the lever and the bucket squeezes out into a tube uh, the oil without the flowers. So the oil gets squeezed out of the flour mixture. And Did so you make that up? That's incredibly brilliant engineering. No, this is, this is, um, it's called a tincture press. It's like okay. a, com a common thing for tincture oh, okay. making, for extracting amazing. liquids out of flour material and okay. plant material. And this technology, so to speak, solar infusions, I mean, it would have been our first way of ever figuring this out as humans you know it just would have even maybe been an accident but um it's definitely been you know one of the oldest and most traditional methods of and most powerful i mean most Certainly, powerful I mean, more, that's the life force right there yeah yes because it's so it's so hands-off so you can imagine turning on a stove and doing it in a day and getting color and certain constituent parts out of it but you could also imagine like off gassing and burning up and destroying a lot of more sensitive parts of it i'm not obviously a food scientist i don't really know what's going on in there but i could imagine that to be true sure temperature is everything when you cook mm -hmm. yeah and i believe that's one of the reasons the the sort of subtle um approach that we've taken to it i believe results in a more refined end product and i believe that's why when people smell our product they sort of have the same response as to when they come to the farm and they say, no, I don't like tomatoes. Thank you. And then they try one of ours and their eyes explode and they say, I've never had a tomato. Like what is in this? I've exactly. Never and like this just it. smells so wholesome to me. That's the word that comes to mind. Like it's food. Like I, I, when I smell this serum, I feel like I could drink it or eat it. It smells like oil I'd put on my salad. It's it's just so wholesome. And, and I love that you go through the whole cycle because then it gets all the elements that we don't even know about. I mean, you know, everybody knows the moon goes through phases every month, but so does the sun. Every, every moment of the day is a different light spectrum that's a different effect on our DNA. You know, we don't understand all this stuff, but you're exposing it to these elements. So that's probably why it's so also effective, Jared. It's such a great moisturizer because it has the full spectrum holistically of all the components of life right in the bottle. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I would have said something similar. Um, and it is 100% edible, not that people eat, should eat it, but it, well, it, it is, is on your skin. Mm -hmm. it, but it actually is just, I mean, every ingredient in there could have been in your salad for lunch today. It is edible. Mm -hmm. We have used it internally, um, you know, like in in my daughter's nose when she gets a bloody nose, for example. Mm 
Um, oh, really? It's just, uh, you know, we basically rely on it for, this is now not me advising people. This is just me yeah. sharing my own experience, but mm -hmm. we basically use it as minor first aid of any kind. Mm -hmm. It's just so antibacterial and anti-inflammatory and soothing and, you know, good for, um, for cuts and infections and antimicrobial and et cetera, et cetera. So Rashes. basically any time any part of our skin is anything but when your skin is perfect you don't notice it right so if yep. any of us has anything on our skin that we're noticing at all a pimple a rash a scratch a hive a bite an itch whatever anything uh an infection a minor infection like on a hangnail anything we put the serum on it immediately and it usually makes it completely go away within a day or two it's just so brilliant. I absolutely am just like your biggest fan. You like this this old bottle I showed you. That's when I contacted you and I'm like, Jared, I need more. Like I need to order more before I run out. I'm like a junkie. And that's like send it to me more. I give it I put it on my dog's skin because sometimes she gets itchy, you know, especially when she goes to the groomer, even though I give them natural shampoo to give her. Um, but it's I put it in my hair. I mean, it's just I love it. You and I'm so grateful that you can consider maybe the lavender uh, hydrating essence on her for itchiness. Oh, do I have? I have your restorative body serum. And I have, and you have to explain to me what this is, the Ryokin So, serum. yeah, let me just explain the process of, of how we make these things. And then that Please. kind of differentiates the different products. So we make those solar infusions, right? And those are botanical infusions. So those aren't essential oils. The second type of thing we make is essential oils they get distilled in a copper still and what comes out the bottom of the still when you distill it actually looks like water it looks like this sometimes it's a little bit off colored like a yellowish or a bluish or something but it more or less looks clear like water and because it was just steam that passed through plant material and it comes out and blah 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 you just catch it and then as it cools a little tiny ribbon I can't even I can't even get my fingers close enough to indicate how thin of a ribbon of essential oil would rise to the top, which you then can pipette off basically or invert into this other thing that helps you drain out the liquid and just leave the oil at the very top. And so this uh, creating essential oils is so intensive and takes up so much plant material and also can be too volatile for your skin. It's not even recommended for people to use essential oils on their skin. If they're already in an inflamed state, it's likely to exacerbate it. So um, basically we use our essential oils so sparingly and that's what's in the restorative body serum and the Royacon serum, the other two serums you're holding up. Mm -hmm. Basically those two serums do have essential oils in them, whereas the summer solstice serum does not. So that's a main differentiator, but otherwise they're very similar. They're, they're, they're oh. in they're entirely botanical infused oils made in the same exact way as the summer solstice serum. They just also have the addition of a little essential oil. So the blue one is the body serum and it has our lavender distillation in it. And the white one is called the Royacon serum. And that is actually the first product that was made really inspired by another property besides ours. So the Nobu Royacon is a world-class hotel in Malibu on the coast. It's actually currently Travel and Leisure's number one hotel in the world um, and in North America. And it uh, might have been just North America, not the world, I can't remember, but either way, congratulations to them. It's awesome. And so the we developed the Royacon serum inspired by them 
as cool. a collaboration to give out to their guests when they check in as an in-room amenity. So wow. right now- I hope they yeah. appreciate how amazing that is. <laughs> well, I appreciate it as well because, you know, like I said, it's the number one resort in the country right now. And guests, most of the guests who check in uh, receive one of our serums as a, as an amenity. So it's nice. a, it's a nice mutually win-win opportunity. Win-win-win. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's fantastic. So those are the serums. And then once we've made those essential oils, the other byproduct that I was talking about, the water that's called hydrosol, we call them hydrating essences. But then that gives us our collection of hydrating essences, which are cool. face, 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 mists. Yeah, mists. face and body sprays. Mask. Yeah, this one's lemon balm. I'm gonna make you jealous. Mm. Ah, I bet it smells amazing. Ah. And so we have, we have seasonal varieties of these that um, then also like get incorporated into spas and stuff like that. So there's a spa in Yontville called the Poetry Inn that is using our hydrosols to wow. hydrate, you know, clay for full body masks. Um, and so there's, there's more creative ways of- That sounds amazing. So that's, uh, this is just so inspiring. I love it so much. So, all right, so Be Here Farm, and I have to share with people, it's just, first of all, the packaging is just so beautiful, Jared. There's obviously, talk about mindfulness. You are a living example because it's just so beautiful. Like I could never throw these bottles away once they're gone and they'll be gone soon because they're so beautifully designed. They have artwork on them. They have butterflies, but they're just not butterflies. They're actually beautifully drawn. And the dragonfly, of course, which is actually my uh, sixth uh, power animal, sixth chakra. And, um, and the logo itself, isn't that BG3 dialed in the logo? So actually, you know, we had a, on the, on that orange bottle, I did yeah, work with the original. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of interesting because that, that dot at the top, we had yeah. a, we had a Chinese calligrapher friend of ours, friend of my brother's um, work with me and create that dot. Mm -hmm. But we then sent the dot to Dorea Kareem um, at biogeometry in Egypt. And she, her designer embedded concentric circles like at a subperceptual like behind the dot basically oh it's basically invisible as layers <laughs> as layers yeah there's oh, like a hundred cool. when the image when the image got sent back to me there was a hundred layers to the image in uh in like the uh, you know in the computer program oh that's awesome yeah that's really really cool i'm glad you told me that i didn't know that i also i also want to share with people though what the bottle says because there's beautiful writing on the bottle. It says yeah, each of them, each of them has a little poem on it. Oh, are they different poems? The Royacon serum has no poem on it just because it was sort of made for the guest rooms there. And it's like a cleaner, the white bottle. That's the white one. Yeah, all that's the, this all, one. But this is the one. Yeah, all the other ones have a poem on them. Yeah, I wrote each one has a, a unique poem. They're unique? within the same family of poems, but you each wrote one, this? I wrote the poems, yeah. That's amazing, Jared. You are just an amazing human being. I can't even believe it. I mean, this it's it's, it, it's could be easy. It couldn't be any easier. What does it say? Come on. Well, you you're no. <laughs> don't you dare describe I mean, the fact you even did that is what I'm saying. It's not even the poem. The poem is beautiful, and I will read it. But I mean, just you know, everyone that's listening and watching, it's like 
we're talking about a person that is walking the talk and putting their money where their values are and their heart is in their blood, sweat, and tears and creating products with soul. That's, I mean, talk about soul, some summer solstice serum, because this has got soul. And that's what I was getting at. When you look at this packaging and design, and I really hope everyone does take you up on your beautiful offer that we're going to get to in a second and experience this, just like the food. You got to experience it to be a believer. And until then, it sounds like woo-woo or hogwash. This is just beautiful packaging, the butterflies, the dragonflies, the poem. I mean, and not to mention the ingredients, you know? I mean, God bless you, Jared. It's uh, so sweet. Truly. Thank you so much. The, the, so the summer solstice, is it's named that because mm. the first ingredient in the serum, the wild mm. St. John's work, which is in all three serums. So it's okay. a bit of a signature for us. Mm -hmm. uh, extremely rare. St. John's were the most common natural antidepressant, but you people see it in a pill. So this yep. is a wild, I should just keep a picture of it around, but this is a wild yellow flower, a yellow wildflower, so tiny and delicate. And when you submerge it into the olive oil after a couple of weeks in the sun, it turns blood red. And wow. that, that blood redness combined with like the original color of the olive oil as well as the chamomile is very yellow, the calendula oil is very orange, but the yellowness and the orange of those two flowers plus the redness of the St. John's Word is what brings the green olive oil all the way to that orangish hue you see there. Right. And seasonally, our color, our color has changed seasonally from slightly more orange to slightly more red. And it's sort of like a vintage of wine in that sense. I mean, we can't control it. It's just, we make it exactly the same each year, but the, the 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 flowers just unique each year. Yeah, of course. Um, it's gonna so, have variations. Yeah, this one, each one's a little bit different, but the summer solstice serum says, the earth breathes through me, flows through me, talks and knows through me. Love shines from my heart like the rising sun, awakening seeds of peace in the soil of my soul. It's not bad. I love it. It's so inspiring. Jared, you are so inspiring, and uh, I'm so grateful that you're on the planet and your wife and your family. And Me too. I Happy can't wait to, be to meet. You, can't wait to meet you in person. I'm just so grateful for all of your contribution and um, wow, and for your amazing, generous offer. Please explain to people, uh, first of all, how they can find you, how they can find these amazing products, and your beautiful offer of the, the discount from my listeners. So um, we've been only selling the serum ever since the wildfires. And we're now, we've now regrown and we're launching for the first time the entire collection, which if people look on our Instagram, you know, this month, Yay. they can they can see, uh, started to see photos of that. But sunpotion.com is where the brand launched outside of our own selves. Um, mm -hmm. And then capbeauty.com is one of our partners. Um, and there's a handful of others, but they are uh, two of the larger online shops that people could head to. We just launched on a shop called Rev. You know, honestly, I don't know how they pronounce the first word because it's French and I'm the worst at that, but it's R-E-V-E, right? So would that be Rev? R-E-V-E is Rev Invert. And they're a beautiful collection of products, not just skincare products, various different categories that started in the UK and now they're here. So they have a lot of clients in the EU and the UK and across the States and those are three great online shops. And then 
the most fun way probably is they could just DM or email me at love at beherefarm.com. No problem interacting with, you know, I find about 1% of your listeners are going to take me up on that offer. And that 1% is more than welcome to reach out and communicate about product offerings that they're interested in. Anyone who doesn't want to communicate and just wants to buy a product and listen to this point in the podcast. And as an extension of our gratitude, we'd be happy to offer them a 10% discount uh, over either through us, you know, you could just email me, like I said, or DM me and mention Amy's podcast and um, I'll, t- you know, I'll, we'll take it from there or at Sun Potion, if you use the code Amy Love, A-M-Y-L-O-V-E, all lowercase, um, whether you listen to this episode now or next year, uh, that code hopefully should still work for you. And if it doesn't just email me or DM me at Be Here Farm or love at Be Here Farm and uh, I'll honor that code for you at that time. That's so great. So just to clarify, that'll be in the show notes for everybody that's not able to write it down or didn't catch it all. Don't worry. But just so we can understand. So they can use the coupon code AmyLove, all lowercase. So A-M-Y-L-O-V-E on any of those outlets, Jared, or only no, through No, they could use that you. code through me or they through can you use directly. That- or they could use that code at sunpotion.com. Those sunpotion two places, page. not yes, the other Yes, okay. very generously okay. uh, offers that for our podcast appearances. They're happy to, to okay. do that for folks. So sunpotion.com or through Jared directly, which is at Be Here Farm for Instagram. And, and then, then when you get Scott on the website, on the pod here, Scott's the founder of Sun Potion. Um, I don't know if I've connected you with him yet, no. but I should. And mm-hmm. uh, Okay. I'm sure folks would end up getting a 10% discount across their whole collection at that time. Oh, that um, would be great. I used I mean, his I'm not uh, offering it for him. I'm not offering it on his No, 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 of course. No, de- sure, great to have him on the show. I'm sure he would. And then yeah. people can get this. People can, when he does that, tell him that I said at this time that he should include the serum in that offer. Because, Absolutely. Because normally when they do that, they, they probably part. wouldn't include the serum because it's just it's not one of their products right yeah so worthy yeah. worthy currently the only product that sun potion's been selling that is not their product although yeah. it's some occasionally they do this but we've been mm-hmm. we've been on them since 2020 so it's been it's yeah. been awesome they will be also selling our other products sometime soon good yes oh my god yay well keep them coming jared keep them coming my pleasure Wow. Well, everybody, you heard it. So please check it out and let me know too. I would love to hear what uh, what you think about the, well, my favorite is the summer solstice serum. And I thank you for these other, I can't wait to try them. I'm sure I'll be in love with those as well. And thank you again for that code. Jared, is there anything else you want to share with people before we close today that's on your heart or just you feel like needs to be said? There is. There's only one thing that I wrote down before this podcast and I didn't mention it, which is that I'm now 37, almost 38. And I didn't know until this lunar eclipse what I'm about to say. We just had a lunar eclipse a couple of days ago, if you caught it uh, on Sunday night. And so the thing that they always told me about that was that, yeah, the sun, the earth and the moon are in alignment. And so the earth's shadow is cast on the moon, which makes plenty of sense. But they never told me that from the moon's perspective at that exact moment what it would be seeing would be a red halo around the earth of all the earth's sunrises and sunsets occurring simultaneously and that that redness is what's reflecting back 
on the moon back at us. And so when I was sitting there watching the moon during the, I woke my daughter up out of bed and I brought her out there and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you know, it's just unbelievable world we're living in. And uh, like the, nobody explained that to me as a kid. I think it would have blown my mind. Um, it blew my mind as a 37 year old. Um, and so there's just so much magical stuff happening around us every second. It's like the planet's lined up to show it to us for a second, but that's what's happening constantly. It's just bananas out here. So, you know, get off the couch, get out of the screen and just get out there and look around because it's just, it's just as crazy as that. Like every second of the day, you just have to look at a leaf and think about its journey for a second. And it's really magical. It's really unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to share my excitement around that discovery. What a blessing. I, I'm going to tell you, I completely agree. There's miracles every moment. If we just pay attention, put down the phone and open up your eyes and pay attention because it's right there. Jared Picard, thank you so much for being on Awakening Aphrodite. Everybody, if you enjoyed the show, please share it. This He shared such important information not only for the planet and all the species but for all of us to be here now and feel better and be happier and more balanced and in harmony with all of life so much wisdom thank you again jared thank you amy okay everybody we'll see you next time bye-bye would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are if so please subscribe to the show leave a review on iTunes, and share it with a friend. And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.